You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of reboot and, uh, some of you old timers, you push control alt delete on your computer so it would get the glitch out of it and restart, or maybe you've got the, the Apple newfangled thing and you push the power button, you hold it down and it just restarts it. And the whole idea is something's got a glitch in it, it's not quite working, it's not fast enough, or whatever it is, and so you want to restart it and reboot it. And as we begin a new year in the midst of some craziness in life, I feel like it's time for us to reboot in many ways, especially in our spiritual lives. And our spiritual life isn't siloed from everything else. It impacts everything as a part of our life. How we are in our spirit, how we are in relationship with God impacts our relationship with others as well. And so this morning, as we continue that idea of reboot, it's been interesting to me that as we talk today specifically about prayer, over the last few weeks, as I've had conversations with people in different places, in particular coffee houses, um, one of the things that's come up over and over and over again is I'm really struggling with prayer and what is prayer and how do we pray and all these different things. And I said, you know what, fancy that you would ask that and we'd have that discussion. We're going to talk about that here really soon. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be digging into this idea of rebooting and what does it look like for us to have a Good prayer life. It's one of these things when we talk about prayer, it's, it's hard to nail down. It's hard to kind of figure out exactly what it is. And there's a variety of different reasons why. And part of that is because it depends upon how you maybe grew up in church or you didn't grow up in church or the type of church that you grew up into, grew up in. And so you have these different ideas of even who God is and what God looks like. So if you grew up maybe in a certain type of a church, you grew up with a God that was what I call the whack-a-mole God. And uh, so if you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese or someplace like that, you've got the little whack-a-mole thing and you're like ready for it to come up and just pound it on its head. And you have that view of God, that God is waiting to catch you doing something wrong so he can just get out whatever eternal frustrations he's got on you and is like, bam, I got him. And so obviously if that's your view of God, you're not going to want to go to him because you have some fear and some reservation about he's, he's He already knows you got some stuff wrong, so why would you want to go divulge that to him? Or maybe you've got the idea of a slot machine God where if you just pull it just right and everything kind of lines up, you'll you'll get what you want and that you're kind of keep pull, pulling the deal so hopefully you'll finally get exactly what you want or what you need or Maybe you've got the OCD God and you feel like, hey, I've got to have everything in order. It's got to be exactly the way that it is. And so again, you've determined what you think that should be so that your life's in perfectly the right place. You can come before God and make requests that you have for Him. So that's the, the OCD God or what I call the mad scientist God that you've got to get the, the formula and you're doing whatever you need to do so you can, you can make sure that you have exact things exactly right in the formula because if you don't have the right formula, God won't respond to that. Or um, maybe the penny in a fountain God, that you're just like, you're throwing pennies in, and you're like, hey, I'm going to make some wishes, and hopefully God will respond to that. And I've been by some of those penny in a fountain places, and some of you are getting really desperate. You're throwing in nickels and dimes and quarters, and I'm thinking, maybe maybe we should talk about um, giving that way. I don't know, maybe give people to do that, but I'm no, just kidding. Um, but also maybe this God that's kind of like a Wizard of Oz God that, there's this big thing, this big voice, you don't really know, you don't necessarily, and every once in a while you journey to where the wizard is, and you make this request, and you maybe, maybe not hear a voice. And many of us, I believe, that that's our understandings 
of who God is and how we approach him for prayer. And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want to kind of flip that on its head. And even Jesus' disciples who hung out with him for three plus years eventually came to Jesus and said, listen, we've been watching you. And you've been doing some really cool things, but one of the things that intrigues us about you is the way that you pray and the way that you encounter God. And one of the things that Jesus consistently did whenever he talked to God, the very first thing that he would say would be Father or Daddy or Dada. And so the disciples had never heard this before. As a matter of fact, of all the Jewish literature of the day that spoke about prayer, there was nothing that referred to God the God as father. Now they were taught that, hey, we should have reverence. We should be, because God is holy. God is a part of justice. God is all, have wrath and all this. And so they're kind of this distance thing. We should be in awe of who he is because God is holy. But now Jesus is teaching the disciples and those around him. There's a new way to encounter them, to encounter the father. And it's not just this wizard of Oz and get things in proper order and reverence. That's a part of it. But even more importantly, we should come to him as our father because our relation, our prayer, Life is based upon a relationship with the Father through the Son. So this morning we're going to be looking at several passages, and one of those passages is in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can kind of mark a little spot there. We're also going to go to Romans chapter 8, and we're also going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. So you can mark those spots in there. But one of the things that Moses had even showed previously was Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Moses said this, the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. Now, there's this tendency that we think that God is away from us, that God has left us. In reality, God never leaves us, never forsakes us, never walks away from us. It is us that chooses to walk away from him. And prayer allows us to re-engage. We have a tendency to kind of move away from God because we're, we're struggling with something. We have some questions. We have some doubts. We have whatever going on. And so instead of coming to the Father, instead of coming to God and, and dealing with them, we have a tendency to walk away from them. Even though, as we understand from Scripture, once we say yes to Jesus, we enter into a covenant relationship with Him, and He never leaves us or forsakes us, we are the ones that try to move away from that covenant. Our Lord God is near us whenever we pray to him. Exodus chapter 33, 11 says it this way. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Now think about it this way. It would be really nice if the next time you went to the coffee house or the next time you sat down at the dinner table and you began to have a conversation with Jesus, that he would in some way or another materialize. Wouldn't it be nice to actually see him and to have that conversation? Because listen, it is difficult enough to have a relationship with someone who's physically there and present. Even more so, I think, because we don't see Jesus. And so to have this prayer, sometimes it just feels weird. And so Moses consistently would go to the tabernacle and would pray. And whenever the people would know that it was time for Moses and Joshua to go pray, and so the people would stand outside of their tents, and they would watch Moses and Joshua walk by them and go into the tabernacle, and really cool and interesting things happened. They could see and sense that God and Moses were encountering him. And one of the things that they said was, we desire to have the same relationship with God that Moses has because we see that Moses and God talk to each other as friend to friend. And Jesus' disciples saw that in him. That in the midst of all the craziness and the business, Jesus would pull away. When he would pull away, he would have time alone with the Father. 
So one day, the disciples, having that yearning, asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says it this way. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. One of the things I want you to grasp this morning is prayer is not just simply a matter of words, but it has to do with our heart and our relationship with the Father. We can utter all kinds of words, but as we'll see in just a moment, many of the times one of the reasons that we struggle with prayer is we don't think that we have the right words to say or that we're asking for the wrong thing. But if, the, if you have said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has taken residence inside of you and actually prays on your behalf. So even if you ask for the wrong thing with your mouth, your spirit asks for the right thing in accordance with God's will. We'll see that in just a moment. So this morning, I want to challenge you to return to our roots. So no matter where you've grown up in your faith journey, Let's, as best we can, strip away whatever denomination, whatever background that you have coming here. And today, this morning, say, listen, I want to simply get to the fact of the root, the foundation of it is Jesus and Jesus alone. For us to get back to our roots and, again, get with Jesus and what his original followers asked is to teach us to pray. Again, here I want you to get this. In the beginning of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus lists off some things that we shouldn't, shouldn't do. And here's what he basically says. There's not a certain place to sit. There's not a certain place to stand. There's not a certain place or way to dress. There's not a certain way to have your hair. There's not a certain place that you should kneel. And he begins to kind of talk about all these things. He doesn't even tell us that we should close our eyes. Should we talk out loud? Should we talk inside? He doesn't tell us any of those kind of things. He basically tells us it's not a matter of what kind of prayer that we're offering, but it's about how we are praying and what our heart set is. Think of it this way. Some of you are going to go and you are required to pray all the time as a follower of Jesus. It tells us to pray without ceasing. Now, I think you've been to ATB recently, and you've been in line, and someone in front of you messes you up, right? You get frustrated. You get mad. And so you should be praying insistently. And so if you should be praying insistently, and Jesus had said, you should always kneel, you should always pray, you should always pray out loud, you'd be in ATB like, dear Lord, I'm praying for this lady in front of me. She is writing a check. Does she not know that there are debit cards? You know what I mean? Or you'd be in your car. You'd have to pull off to the side of your car and like, Dear Jesus, do you know that this person does not know how to make a right-hand turn on a red light? I mean, you know, all these different things and how uniquely weird that would be. Jesus tells us that we're in to be in relationship with him and that if we are, as the scripture tells us, when we say yes to Jesus, we become a temple of the living God because the Holy Spirit has taken residence with inside of us. Everywhere we go is a place of worship. Woo, imagine a basketball game when you're mad at the ref. Dear Jesus, I'm praying for this ref that his eyesight would return. Heal him. You know what I mean? I mean, how different would we be if we really began to live life in this way where we're praying without ceasing, it would change us. It would change how we view people, how we talk to people, how we think about things. And that's one of the things that Jesus asks us. Is it's not a matter about how we pray. It's about our heart's intent. And again, it's based out of a relationship with the Father. 
Jesus' teaching is a roadmap for us on the journey of life and that life is tough, guys. If you didn't know this before March of 2020, you know now that your plans are not his plans. Your ways and your thinking are not his ways and his thinking. But he's still in control even of this mess that we're in. He's still in control. And the best way for us to gain an understanding of his heart and of his mind is to read scripture, but then also get in tune with him and have a conversation and to put down the coffee cup and say, God, please tell me. Please tell me. Walk with me in this. So the disciples ask in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, teach us to pray. And so he says, okay. So the very next thing he says is pray like this. Matthew 6, 9, our Father. Now, maybe you've grown up in a Catholic church or church similar to that. This is called the Our Father Prayer. Others call it the Lord's Prayer. And it's a great prayer for you to know and begin to understand and, and to pray. I mean, if you've been a part of a team or, or whatever, there's common for people to gather around and to pray this prayer together because it draws us together. But it's even more than just something, a rote formula for us to pray. It's not just a kind of prayer. It's a heartbeat out of that prayer. And so the very first thing that he says is Our Father. Now, this is a unique term. Again, there was not any Jewish literature that was around that was saying, approach God as the Father. He's reverent. He's holy. And so Jesus is kind of, as the Son of God, is flipping this upside down, and he's showing that prayer is based upon a relationship. And Jesus gives us access to the Father through what he did on the cross. And so that we can now, if we say yes to him, he brings us home to the Father and he says, hey, this is Chris. We now have access to the Father based upon our relationship with Jesus. And so that's what prayer is. An opportunity for us through Jesus, in Jesus, to come before the Father and to present our request to him as we gather around the dinner table and to share about our day, to talk about our hurts, to talk about our wants, to talk about our desires, to talk about the things that frustrate us, and to know that along with our brother Jesus, because we're now his brother and sister, we gather around the table based upon his invitation to us. So each prayer is to the Father in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, we see that in just a moment. We'll see how even in those moments when we pray out, even sometimes the wrong things, the Spirit of God does His work. Our Father in heaven, the Son sits at the right hand, but the Spirit that's in all Christians communicates. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27, says it this way, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And again, I believe that one of the reasons that we struggle with prayer is because we're like, I, he's God. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Everything feels feeble and weak and not enough. And so in our weakness, for example, we don't even know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Now that we come before God and we're, we're like, we don't even know what to pray. And the spirit within us prays on our behalf. And the father who knows our hearts knows what the spirit is saying. So it's never wrong. Right? So we think it's dependent upon our words, but it's not. It's dependent upon the spirit. So he's even provided an out for us. And in our imperfection of humanity, he's even covered our prayer life and our requests. So we can come to him and say, hey, God, I need a Lexus. And he's like, no, you need a Toyota a Camry. 
that's like 20 years old. The spirit agrees with what the mouth doesn't even know that it needs. And the Father knows our heart and knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with what? God's own will. Again, one of the beautiful things about prayers is that we get in tune with God. Our will begins to align with His will. His heartbeat aligns with our heartbeat. So, Father, this would have shocked Jesus' audience. They would have stood back and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know who God is? Do you understand who God is? Do you understand how we've been taught about God? And Jesus says, listen, I want you to, to gather that this is, this is something different that I want you to get. God wants you to run to him like this. The word he uses is Abba. And today we would probably say Daddy or Dada. It's a word that a small child would use with Father. It's a term of endearment. It's an intimate term. I think about those moments where when I was younger and my kids were younger and even one, one when, when Lauren was younger and Landon wasn't even born yet, that there was those moments I would come home and Lauren would like be like, yeah, daddy. And she would, you know, hold on and wrap on. She goes, hey, 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 look, I've, I've got this little thing. And so we'd go up and we would do tea together. Y'all ever done that? You do tea and you pretend you have tea. Sometimes you have tea. I don't know. And then she would play with my hair. I didn't have hair back then either. And do nails and all this different stuff. And in that moment, we're together and we're relating. I'm in her world. She's in my world. And there's this excitement and anticipation about what's to happen. That's what prayer is. Those moments when I come home and Landon was, was younger as well. And, and he would go, hey, Dad, come on. And he would show me and we would take cars. And we were like, mm, you know, doing all the different things that, that kids do. And those are cool moments. That is prayer. God the Father longs for His children to run to Him and to wrap their arms and their legs around Him and say, Daddy, 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 I'm glad you're home. Let's play. Let's talk. Because in those moments, we're talking and doing life. And my kids hopefully get to see that Daddy's a safe place. That Daddy was playing. Daddy will get down on my level. Dad will... Do whatever, and we will just be equals in that moment. And that prayer is that as we come to the Father equal with Jesus, because not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And even when we don't know what to say, the Father already knows what we need because the Spirit has been placed within us and speaks on our behalf. Because there were a couple times, my son, when he was four and we were crashing, He's like, Dad, it'd be cool to do this with real cars. And I'm like, yeah, that might hurt. You know what I mean? We have the wisdom of that. Galatians 4, 6, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Talmud even says, a teaching around the scripture, the Talmud even teaches, it says, when a child is weaned, the very first thing that a child says is, Abba, and Ima, Mommy and Daddy. Why are those words so important? The words are so important because it establishes a relationship. Your role is established. You know that they've, they've spent time around you and they know who you are and what you're about and how you care for them and how you love them and they have a sense of what you're going to bring to life for them. 
So the same is true for us. As we get to know God the Father, we know that he's trustworthy, that he loves us. That we can cry out to him, we can run to him. When we have a boo-boo or a scrape, guess what you do? You run to mommy, you run to daddy, and they take care of it. That's prayer. That is prayer. And listen, wouldn't it be foolish for our kids to come up to us and say, Mommy, Daddy, I have a scrape, I have a boo-boo. Okay, do you have everything in line? Did you have good grades today? Did you treat everyone nice? Did you and go through this list of stuff? It would be ludicrous to say, if you get all those things fixed and everything else is right, then you can come to me and I will provide healing. In that moment, nothing matters in the brokenness of your child. That's prayer. And all of us have moments of brokenness. And it may be in the line at HEB. It may be even here. Daddy wants you to run to him and say, I'm home. And to do those moments together and play tea, not like an immature child, but childlike. With an understanding of honesty and transparency and of safety. And not having all the stuff that we've learned over the years that has caused us to not run to God as our Father. Because I totally comprehend sometimes for us to say God the Father that just throws up all kinds of negative things I get it and too many times we've taught our children to not run to us and to have those deep discussions of life because we do judge we do put up barriers We do tell them, why are you doing this? Why are you struggling with this? And we forget. We've walked that road and we understand and they don't understand. And that we're to be a safety net for our children and our grandchildren to fall into some places and be able to go, I told you so. No. To fall into the safety net and say, pull them out and say, let's try this again. This is why as parents and grandparents, we don't own our children. We are stewards of them. And we are stewarding them to know and to understand who Jesus is. Like the Ten Commandments, we're putting them on a path so that they will not return and go away from it. Because they will see life and joy and peace and what things can be. Even though as followers of Jesus we're countercultural, that this is what life should look like. That people want to hang with you because it's a place that's heavenly. Even on earth. Because people want to be in a place, in a home that smells good. Not just here, but smells good here. That it's a home of peace and of hope. Let your children come. Instead, sometimes we view God in that negative way. Perhaps, perhaps what maybe you can do, if that's your struggle, is begin to take the dreams that you have of what you wanted and what you want for your relationship with your mom or your dad. So you know what, maybe I'm not in that place with them, but I'm going to pursue that with God the Father. And pursue it in that way through prayer of like, Dad, there's some things I want to talk about to you, but 
in the past. I felt like you're going to judge me, and today I'm just, I'm just not going to believe that. I'm going to believe the truth. One of the beautiful things about your children crawling up into your lap when they're younger is it's a safe place. That they know that your daddy's strong or whatever, and they get there, and it's this loving place, and you can talk to them. And so they, you'll giggle, and you'll laugh, and all that. And one of the things that, that I used to do, hey, I love you. I have hopes and dreams for you. You're awesome. You're incredible. And the same thing, God does that to us. Because then there's some moments when we crawl up in his lap. He's like, hey, I love you. I know the world's telling you that there's things that are not good about you, but I'm telling you I did not make a mistake with you. You're a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. I do not make mistakes. Yes, there's going to be you who have made some mistakes along the way, but it doesn't surprise me, my child. I still love you. You do not disappoint me. Your DNA is a part of my DNA. And so some of the things that you do definitely mimic me. But there are moments where you run from me, and I understand, but I want you to know that I'm always here for you. And that's our Father. Our Father, in the covenant that He's made for us, always wants us to come home. He's on the front porch waiting for us to come home. It's us that chooses to continue to play in the muck and the mire instead of coming home. We feel like we've got to clean up or we've got to do whatever we've got to do to get there. The relationship and prayer with God the Father is not fearful. It's not awkward. It's easy. It's a place of freedom and safety to sit in the lap of the Father. Abba Father also speaks to what happened at the moment whenever Jesus died upon the cross. Scripture tells us at the exact moment when Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The the veil inside of the temple in Jerusalem tore from the top to the bottom so that for the place of the holies where people that were clean, pure and clean could be, then the holy of holies where only the priests could go, that veil was torn, telling us that we now, all of us, are priests able to enter into the Holy of Holies. So we can enter into the holiest of places, which is the presence of God, and cry out, Abba, Father. Hebrews 10. We can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Again, not because of us, but because of him. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who is Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. That's running to dad. Into the room that you thought you could never go to. Daddy's room, you know, he's got his little workshop. Don't mess with his workshop. Dad's invited you in and he wants you there because he wants to work with you side by side. That's prayer. The places that you thought you could never go, you can go. You know what? One of the funniest things that Becky and I talk about all the time is anytime I'm invited, we're invited to a place, and there could be a thousand Christians in the room, and if they know that I'm a pastor, guess who gets to pray? (laughs) Me. And so I pull out my little thing, and I'm like, okay, let's see. What's Jesus' phone number? 1-800-GOT-JESUS. Because it's this thing that, that because I'm a pastor, I have a better phone line to God than you do. I don't. We are all priests 
unto God at the moment that Jesus gave his life for us and we say yes to him, we enter into the priesthood. Therefore, based upon who he is and you're saying yes to him, you get to get in, go into the Holy of Holies and say, Daddy, and hang out. That's what prayer is. Now, yes, it's part of my job. And maybe I should be doing it more than you, but probably not. My first calling is to Jesus. My second calling is to my wife. My third calling is to my children. My fourth calling is your pastor. Because if my house ain't right, I don't get to be your pastor. Because the elders would rope me up and ship me out. You have the same callings. Philip Yancey, who's a Christian author, says it this way, the birth of Jesus declares the approachability of God. God could have come in any way that he wanted to, but he came like a baby. Who's scared of a baby? Everybody thinks their baby's cute, and we know that's not true. But no one's afraid of them, right? No one walks up and goes, ooh. And they may want to go, ooh. No. Jesus, God the Father, came to us like a baby to help us understand that he is approachable. He didn't come to harm us, but to invite us. So be encouraged. God the Father wants to have a relationship with you. Wants to invite you into the room that you thought you could never enter into. And he wants you to come and to work with him and to work side by side and to share all of your burdens, all of your stuff that you're struggling with and just be side by side with him. And then there's times that he wants you just to jump in his lap and to do that. Now listen, my 21-year-old daughter, every once in a while, will still catch me on the couch and will kind of just get in my lap and say, Hey, Dad, I love you. Thanks for what you do. I love it. No, she's not five anymore. If somebody else would have walked in, it would look kind of awkward. Now, Landon, my son, he's like, hmm, not going to do that. Hey, Dad. Even as adults, God wants us to crawl up in his lap. Because it's a place of safety, security, honesty. It's a place of saying, what you do does not matter to me. It's who you are. And you're my child. And you forever can crawl up in my lap and be with me. And we can share, hey, I love you. I'm not disappointed in you. I cherish you. So our challenge this week for you, would you take some time and think about in those moments when you get frustrated by whatever, or you're struggling with something and you think, man, take it as a moment to pray without ceasing. Wherever you go, it's an opportunity to worship and just say, hey, God, hey, Dad, and just begin to develop that relationship with him and understand, or maybe even rem- think of yourself as running to him and wrapping around and saying, Dad, I'm glad to be home. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you that we don't have to measure up to enter in to the Holy of Holies. That we don't have to get it all right and got to get all cleaned up to come into your presence. Because it's not based upon us and what we can or can't do. It's totally based upon what your son Jesus has done for us. And that our new identity of ourselves is in Christ. So that, Father, in our new clothes in Christ, may we run to you. With our new name tags and our new identity in Christ, may we run to you. With boldness and confidence. May we run into the room that we always thought was off limits for us. Into the holy of holies. To the, to the work room of God. That was off limits. That we were afraid of. That we didn't know the monsters lived in there. And Father, you have opened the door for us to go. And to sit next to you. And to work. And to talk with you. Well, I pray for some in this room that they struggle with the idea of you being their father. Lord, I pray that you would speak truth to them. That they are worthy. That they are valuable. That you do desire for them to draw close to you. That you have truths that you want to whisper into their ear to drown out the lies that they've told themselves and others have told them Father reframe their relationship with you for Lord I know each one in this room and our neighbors and those surrounding us their hearts cry is to know their creator we can do that through Jesus. Father, may we do that this week. May we do that this morning. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.